Welcome, lovelies, to the Ultimate Dance Business Podcast. My name is Deborah Laws, the dance business expert. My passion is to help you turn your passion into profit while guiding you to work less and earn more. I'm super excited to share interviews with you that I know will inspire and motivate you in your schools, as well as my solo shows where I shall be sharing some great tips and strategies. So if you love the show, please do remember to review, subscribe and share it with your fellow dance boss friends. So let's get stuck into the business of dance. Ramel, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited because everybody, not only do I have a business coach to chat to today, who's going to, I'm sure, enlighten us about all kinds of things around business, but we also have someone that came from a dance background, which I'm going to get Ramel to talk about in a little bit. But Ramel, thank you so much. How do I pronounce your surname? Oh, well, first of all, you're very welcome and thank you for having me. So my surname is actually pronounced D-M-O-T, exactly how it's spelled, D-M-O-T. Amazing. And that's how you say it when you tell people. Absolutely, yeah, because it stands for something. It stands for doing my own thing. I love that. I want a new surname. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to go and work out what laws could stand for. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. And that automatically brings in your creativity, I can see already. So I mentioned that you're um, a business coach, but would you like to explain to everybody a little bit more about what you do and how that came about? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, like you rightly said, I'm a business coach and mentor. So I predominantly help businesses, whether they're in the expert space, coaches, consultants, practitioners, fitness instructors, Generally speaking, service-based, some product-based businesses as well. But essentially, I help them go from zero to 100K plus in their business. So right from starting at the very beginning to growing, scaling, building the team. Amazing. And how did you, because I know that's not where you first started out. So how did you end up as a business coach? So it's a wonderful question. So um, the story is... So as you said at the beginning, um, I actually came from a performing arts background. I was predominantly a a street dancer and it's all ties in. So you'll see where this is going in a minute. So I was very fortunate to have um, a wonderful mum who I give all my credit to, who from a very young age allowed me to do my own thing, hence the surname, right? And what I did in my early days, so to speak, was dance. Did that from about the ages of 11 to about 19 professionally in terms of being on stages, doing competitions, shows, private events, weddings, you name it, right? And at about 16 is when I started my first business running a dance school. And obviously there I was teaching people how to dance and the top group then did some of the shows, competitions, etc. So my ability to teach if you like a mentor and help others came through dance then what happened was as part of my story which again I'm sure many of us will relate to there was a period where I completely lost my drive I lost my passion I lost my focus and I actually quit I I quit dance altogether even though it was my love it was my passion it was everything that I knew I quit it and I went and got myself a proper job right 
And the job that I got was working in a primary school as a teaching assistant. Now, don't get me wrong, absolutely loved working, you know, in the primary school. It was a consistent wage, regular income. It was down the road from where I lived. So things were good about it. And, you know, I was fairly young at the time. I progressed from a teaching assistant to a learning coach. So what that meant was I was, I moved away from just helping the teacher in the classroom to then coaching some of the children in the classroom to better assist them with their learning. And that's kind of where the coaching thing was birthed, so to speak. Then what happened was, again, as I'm sure many of us will know, I got to a point where when I was in the job, I was like, as much as I do like this, I had a bit of an epiphany moment, so to speak. And what it was, it was like, when was I most happy, most fulfilled and felt most successful? And my answer was when I was doing my own thing. So I made a decision one of the days whilst I was at work. I was like, I need to go back to running my own business, doing my own thing, et cetera. So in 2017, I attended a, a seminar. It was quite a big event, to be fair. There's probably about three, 400 people in the room. And that event was specifically helping people like myself start, build and grow a business. And they mainly focused with coaching. And I was like, oh, okay, this coaching thing, coaching thing has come up again. And it kind of just, it literally grew from there. So from 2017, I kind of went all in on my personal development, self-development, business development, and then launched my own coaching and mentor, mentoring company in March 2018. Amazing. And I love the fact that what you're doing now still is a direct result of all your dance training and Absolutely, running your yeah. school and your business. Because, you know, we're always saying, those of us that run dance schools and dance studios, you know, we never really appreciate the gifts that we give to our students in terms of lifelong skills. Oh, 100%. You know, and when we are struggling with the day-to-day -day running of the school and we wonder why we're doing it, you know, I think that's the thing that we all kind of hang on to. Absolutely. Um, but you talked a little bit about you kind of fell out of love with running your dance school. And by the way, everyone, this is news. I didn't realise that you actually ran a dance school. I knew, you know, some of your dance background, but didn't actually know you ran a dance school. Yeah. Um, so what was it that you fell out of love with? Because, you know, a lot of my listeners have either probably been there, are there now, you know, what did you find the challenges were with the school? Oh, wonderful question. So, and I'm, I'm glad you asked me this, to be fair, because later on, I reflected on what really happened. And it, there's a few things, to be fair. And again, I'm sure some may relate to this. The first thing, without a doubt, is I plateaued within my, my myself, my own talent, my own growth. So I, again, just being open and real, I kind of, because I was so focused on running the dance school or the dance business, I'd stopped my own development as a dancer, as a performer. So I stopped going to classes. I stopped having, again, mentors and learning different styles as I used to do when I was predominantly a performer and not running a business. So, yeah, so I guess answer number one is I plateaued um, in terms of my own growth and learning. The second thing was I remember at the time, like the industry is tough, right? Like we, we know this, the industry is very tough. And I think there was a period where, because I mainly focused in street dance, so again, you know, hip-hop and locking, popping, tutting, you know, all of these kind of things. Um, there was a time where in order for people to make it, they had to go more commercial. Now, nothing wrong with going commercial, it's just the more people were going commercial, people around my circle, the less it was 
the kind of dancing that they really wanted to do because there was kind of a gap between street dance versus commercial and what's going to make it and what's not. And I kind of fell out of love with where the industry was going and I felt like it was more, it became at one stage more about how you look than the talent you have. Does yes. that make sense? And yeah, that, think, that really bugged me to be fair. Okay, yeah. I think it lost some of its authenticity, didn't there it? There we go, for sure. For yeah. Sure. So yeah, I'd say they're the two... Yeah, they're the two main reasons, to be fair. And I think also just kind of piggybacking off the first thing, I think my, my dark school, again, it was doing really well. But where I was so young, I didn't, in all honesty, I didn't really know how to run a business properly. I was just doing what I thought I knew. So not only was I not developing and growing as a dancer, as a performer, I also wasn't really growing and developing as a business owner because they are two different things. Like, I'm sure you know this, and I'm sure many of, of our listeners will agree, there's a significant difference between being an excellent dancer, performer, teacher, but then running a business, a dance school, a dance practice. It's a different skill because now you've got marketing, now you've got sales, now you've got admin, now you've got tax, now you've got accountants. Like there's so much more to it. And I definitely feel at that time I didn't have enough knowledge or skills to properly run the business while still being a, a teacher and a dancer if that makes sense yeah and in fact I think you've identified three roles there there's the dancer in us there's the teacher in us and actually even just the transition from being a great dancer to a teacher mm. you know, as you know there's an awful lot of people out there that can't teach for toffee but they're amazing dancers and vice versa so, you know, it's not a given that because you're, you've got a great dance career that you're going to automatically be an amazing teacher and mentor in a studio. And then a separate role again is the ability to run a business. Like, and that's really, you know, how Dance Business Lab came about and how, how I'm now doing this as a full-time career, because I think, you know, suddenly we went, what business coaches are there out there for us? Like what, what courses are there for me to go on that where they it's somebody really understands my industry. Obviously there are many, many business coaches out there, but there was a massive gap in the market for people that understood the dance industry. And so many people say to me, and it's, you know, I don't know whether to be sad or happy by it, but they say, Oh, Deborah, if only I had you 20 years ago, <laughs> I would have been so much easier if I'd learned this stuff when I started, mm. which is, um, you know, it's by the by now, I'm not someone that lives in the past, but so. certainly going forward. So you would then presumably be a, a real advocate for dance school owners to, to have business mentoring. hundred percent, without a doubt. There's, there's no no two ways about it. Again, it's one of those ones where if I could go back, see, we can't, but if I could, 100%, as well as, like I said, growing and developing as a dancer, as a performer, I would also 100% have a business mentor specifically who could help me grow my dance business. So, yeah. Absolutely. And it sounds a little bit like, you know, you had the dancer in you, you had the creativity in you, you mm -hmm. also had the entrepreneur in you, because I do believe that's something that we've kind of got in us or we haven't. Mm -hmm. But because you then didn't have the structure mm -hmm. to teach you the business side of things, you kind of found yourself a bit lost and floundering yeah, a bit right. and went, went off in a different direction. So, mm -hmm. For anyone that is starting a school, they've been going a couple of years, they've probably done quite well off their passion and their desire and their energy, but are now feeling a bit stuck. Yeah. You know, this is the point, isn't it, where you kind of go, 
I don't need help because I'm useless. I need help because I've got big dreams and I want someone to help me get there. Absolutely. Yeah, perfect. It's one of those sayings that I'm sure many of us are familiar with it. It's if you always do what you've always done, then you will always get what you've always got. So the reality is everything that many of us have done up till now have taken us so far. But if we want to achieve the big goals, the big ambitions, the big targets, we've got to do something different. And we've got to open up our mind, if you like, to different opportunities, new ways of doing things, and actually just getting the right skill set to scale and grow a business. Yeah. And I think one of the things I come across, or I have come across in the last three years, is that a lot of people didn't know that a dance dance business coach could help them because we didn't really have that in our industry. And so I've kind of found myself with one, one of the challenges has been, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so trying to teach people that there's things they don't know, (laughs) and that's why they might need some help. The first thing, like people kind of just thought, well, what is there to know? I'm doing it. I'm running a school. I've got a couple of hundred kids. What do I need to know? You know, and um, well, as, as you know, there's so much more to business, isn't there, than just being a great teacher. What would you say, Ramel, is one of the things that could be the, a downfall for someone running a dance school? Like what would be, and I suppose this is, is the same in any business, what's one of the reasons people fail in business? Oh, great question. There's a few things. Okay, so without a doubt, it's their ability to manage the ups and downs the highs and lows the the roller coaster is what I call it like because again being open and real business does not go in a straight line even if you've had a great year on year on year and your dance practice is growing there will still be challenges hurdles obstacles along the way so your ability to navigate or overcome those hurdles challenges and obstacles will be the thing that separates I guess those who are successful and those who ultimately, unfortunately fail. So, yeah, so I guess number one is um, not being able to overcome hurdles, obstacles, et cetera, challenges. Um, Another thing would be in terms of what would make people fail. um, Another is belief, self-belief. Like I said a moment ago, if you've always done what you've always done, then you will always get what you've always got. But if you don't believe the bigger goals are even possible in the first place, then that opportunity or that mentor, that coach that comes your way, you may not even realise that that's there to take you to the next level or take you to the next stage. So, you know, it's very, it's very hard. Some, like at the end of the day, a dream is something that has not yet been achieved, but it's something that we've got within that we know we want to achieve. So it's creating that balance or that connect between This is what I want to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. But it's holding on to that belief and getting the right, like you said, support, guidance and structure in place to achieve that dream or that goal in the first place. So I'd say that's another one. Um, And yeah, without a doubt, the third one I'd say is not having the right mentor, cult or support. Again, like I said, it it was my own downfall. Like I, I said it right at the beginning, I didn't have both dance and business-wise, that person or the group of people, like-minded people, that were pushing me to new heights, new levels, new successes, et cetera. So, yeah, that'd be the three things for sure. 
Yeah, amazing. Thank you. And I think, you know, going back to the one that you said about belief, yeah. I think when you've got the right network of people around you and you've got that community and, you know, potentially with a business coach, what happens is they help you to overcome some of that lack of belief, don't they? Because you can see other people that are doing things that you know you need to do, you want to do. And if they can do it, then maybe you can do it. But when you're out there on your own, it's so easy to just sit back and go, I'll just do it like this. That's what <laughs> Yeah. And so what would you say then? And it kind of might be pretty much the same question, but what do you think leads to somebody being really successful in business? Yeah, I guess essentially all the opposites. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah no, honestly, it's 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 setting the goal, setting the target and believing that it's possible. It's having the right mentor, coach, like-minded people around you to help you achieve the goal and also to be an open and real to uplift you when it gets tough when those challenges occur etc um I think the other thing is also not being afraid not being afraid to do something different to be unique to be bold to stand out to go against the grain to go against the status quo because at the end of the day if you want to make change and if you want to make impact and if you want to reach new heights there has to be a part of you that says do you know what this is a goal that I'm going for. This is how I'm going to do it. This is the team of people or the, the support, the mentors around me that's going to help me. And I'm going to go for it no matter what. So I think it's, it's that out of the box thinking to A, believe and know it's possible. But the next thing is to like make it happen regardless. It's, it's that drive. It's that drive. It's that push. It's that, yeah, it's just that. I, I call it like tapping into your greatness. It's that element of tapping into what you inherently believe or intuitively believe is true and going full steam ahead, going 110% in on that. You know, I love that. I think there's an element of bravery, isn't there? Absolutely. You, have, you know, and I think sometimes in the dance industry, people get, because they don't have anyone, generally speaking, mentoring, yeah. coaching them, they look around at what everybody else is doing and they just think, if I'm going to be successful, I just need to do what all the other people are doing. Like I need to run the classes that everyone's running. Oh, acros become a big thing. I need to start acro classes mm -hmm. or, you know, teaching circus skills is a new thing that's happened. I need to start teaching. Like, And sometimes I think it's actually you're more likely to stand out and more likely to be unique and, um, you know, interesting to people if you're not doing the same as everybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you think, um, what do you think is required of a business owner when they've grown their school and it's no longer, they, they can't grow anymore without now having to bring on board other people to be in their school with them. So whether that's teachers or people to help with admin or bookkeeping, a lot of my listeners really struggle when it comes to that crunch point of where they have to start letting go of control, <laughs> letting someone else in to their baby and yeah. start to delegate, like the big naughty word, which is <laughs> delegation. Like yeah. how, how can people help get over that hurdle of nobody can do it like me. Mm. My school's all going to fall apart and it's all going to start failing because I've got to, I've got to bring in other people. 
oh, I, like, I love this. And it's, it's funny because I shared this in a presentation um, only a week and a half ago in front of four or 500 people. And the concept is let go to grow. It is as simple as that. Now, it's easier said than done. I appreciate that. But you have to remember there's only one of you and there's only 24 hours in a day. So if you have that big goal, big dream, big ambition of growing, scaling, reaching new heights, reaching new levels, there has to be an element of you letting go to be able to grow, which means letting go of perfection, letting go of maybe not everyone having the same drive and determination as you. That's part of it. But then the other part is stepping into the leader that you are and allowing everyone in the team, whether this, whether these are other teachers or uh, bookkeepers or whoever they may be, admin people, it's it starts from the top. So it comes down to, you almost have to make a transition. It's almost a shift internally. And you've got to go from, right, I'm a dance, I'm a performer, I'm a dance teacher, I'm a dance business owner, to I'm now a leader. And as a leader, you have to train and almost harness, if you like, the energy and the performance that you want from the people around you. Now, again, easier said than done. And many of us don't get or have leadership training, but I would strongly and highly advise that because that will be the thing that makes the difference. If, if at the end of the day, let's imagine, you know, you feel as a dance teacher, dance mentor, dance business owner, you perform at a 10 out of 10 in everything you do. And now if you've brought a team on, you might find at times they're performing at maybe a six out of 10. The reality is they may never perform at a 10 out of 10 in the way that you do. They may never. But as a leader, it's our role, it's our job to ensure that they're at least performing at an eight out of 10 in order to still get the job done. And again, where there's areas that are falling short or needs improvement, as the leader, we must step in, encourage motivate, teach, mentor, give guidance, give support so that our team members, our staff members, our employees can perform at the level that we want so that the business can grow. So I thought I would just share with you guys today the um, planners that I have produced for dance school owners because these are flying out of Amazon like hotcakes and if you don't have yours yet then all you have to do is pop to Amazon and type into the search Deborah Laws and all three books will come up. So the ultimate dance business planner I designed for you so that you had a little bit of a Deborah on your desktop. <laughs> the planners are full of business training, tips, motivational quotes, uh, things to do at the start of the month, things to do at the end of the month, ways in which you can plan out your marketing and your retention. And they are selling all over the world. So go to Amazon, grab your number one best-selling ultimate dance business planner and enjoy mapping out the growth for your studio. And I absolutely love it. I hope everybody has their post-it notes out and I hope they're writing that new <laughs> affirmation down. Let go to grow. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I think that's, you know, that's sometimes what happens. People aren't prepared to let go and therefore, you know, they can't grow. And or actually what I find happens before that ha that happens is they stretch themselves and they stretch themselves and they stretch themselves until they are teaching seven days a week and they're doing 
30 hours admin and they're almost at or are at complete burnout Mm -hmm. before they get to that stage where they think I'm going to have to take somebody on. And, you know, who wants to get to that really uncomfortable, miserable stage where, you know, you're about to give the whole lot up because you're so, so burnt out and so stretched. Mm. You know, I think sometimes it's letting go early enough, isn't it? People hang on too long. Yeah, hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. Like, and again, I, I get it because you use the term early and you're absolutely right. It's that whole, it's my baby, you know, I created it, I started it from scratch. And again, all of these things may be true and probably are true. Like I said, though, there's a difference between you holding on to this thing, because in, in business, we call it like being the bottleneck. You will then become the, old, the, the bottleneck for your own company by latching on to that emotional attachment that you're currently giving it. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't love your business and love the clients and the pupils you teach and the students you teach, of course. But it's, it's being able to emotionally let go of some of that attachment so that it can grow. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. It like being a parent and just smothering your own child, isn't it? There we go, right? It's, if, if we use that as an example, there gets to a point, and again, I appreciate different ages for different people and different circumstances, but they get it gets to a point where as a parent, you have to let go and allow your child or children to go and experience some things, make some mistakes along the way, move to a different part of the country or to a different country to go to university or to find a job. Again, these these are you know natural life occurrences that we must adapt to in order for us to grow as an individual and the people that we love and care about to grow. So. Mm. And I think also um, what's really interesting is I have some people that that came on board with me, you know, when I first started Dance Business Lab and they're still with me now. They might have even escalated up into my my top level program. Mm -hmm. And occasionally sometimes people will say, why are they still with you? If they've been with you for three years, what are they still not learned? Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is actually the more you scale, that doesn't mean I've learned it all now. I know it all because the bigger you scale, I know you're laughing at this, you know, the bigger you scale, the more problems come along, you know, and the more you have to learn something new. So actually going from building a successful small business where it's just you on your own to then needing to bring on a team and and start to step into a leadership role. Now, all of a sudden, you've got to learn how to lead people and you've got to learn how to be an inspiring leader. and, And that's a whole different kettle of fish that you didn't have before so like every stage of growth you kind of really have to embrace that don't you absolutely yeah it it naturally presents and again this isn't to scare anyone or put anyone off because it's about adapting and about growing as we said but every new stage of business presents its own challenges every stage if you've got a team now we've got to manage team cohesion team unity team performance if we're not at that stage yet and it's own performance then it's it's your own self-discipline your own self-belief your own self-commitment your own self-drive like it's if you're now past the VAT threshold now you need to sort out VAT like it's a different challenge at a different stage and the reality is going back to what you said if you've got the mindset of growth and developing and building and achieving new heights the learning never stops that is the ultimate truth it never stops Now, again, not to scare anyone or put anyone off. It's exciting because what it means is you as an individual have the opportunity to learn and grow and achieve new levels 
and new heights that you might not even have believed were possible. That's the exciting part. Yeah. And, and ultimately, by you growing as a person, the people around you grow as well. So it's a, it's a beautiful ripple effect. Yes. And interesting, because as we're talking about this, for me, I can feel my energy getting excited because to me, that's exciting. Like mm-hmm. there's the point in time where the business needs me to learn again. Like I can get my business this far, but now I'm not stuck but I kind of don't really know how to get to that next stage, which is obviously the same for a lot of people in business, whatever business it is. But to me, that next stage of learning and growth is the, where the excitement starts to build again, where the interest carries on, where I find that next bit of passion to get me to that next stage. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, as you mentioned, for some people, that's the scary bit. That's where the fear kicks in. Mm -hmm. So isn't it interesting how some people will get to that stage and they're completely excited and buzzing. And where do I go? Where do I find my next mentor? What are my new goals? And other people are like, whoa, like, let's put the brakes on. I don't want to get any bigger. This is scary. Two complete polar opposites, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. And it's normally created for a few different reasons. But in one instance, it's either the fear of failure or the fear of, or the fear of success. At the end of the day, if there's a now and if you've kind of established yourself and you're kind of comfortable where you are and now you're growing as a new challenge, the fear will be, I don't want to lose everything that I've created. I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to um, lose the structure and the income that I've already got in place. There's that bit. There's also the fear of success that, and again, it's quite an interesting concept to be fair, but it's like that element of what if this, what if I do overcome this? What if it grows beyond? What if I can't manage the growth? What if I now need to franchise the business? Again, it's all these kind of different conversations. The other element is the fear of the unknown. At the end of the day, as you're growing, and this is true for everyone, by the way, as the business is growing, you won't always know what challenges arise until they arise. Like, if you've gone from not having a team to to having a team, it's only when you have a team do you realise, oh, wow, there's Um, staff sickness staff cohesion staff unity staff performance staff performance plans like now you're like oh wow there's now it's a different kettle of fish so to speak so the fear of the unknown as to what's going to happen if can be a thing that also hinders or slows people down or puts people off completely you know yeah and I suppose you know going back to what you were saying the ability to manage the highs and lows and the roller coaster, oh, um, you know, that's that's where that kind of comes in, isn't it? Because, um, you know, something that cops up quite a lot and has, I don't know, I've been hearing a lot more about it recently is people that are getting to the VAT threshold mm. that are literally, do I now put the brakes on and I don't grow anymore because going back registers scares the living bejeebies out of me? Or do I plow through and work out how it works and grow and get much, much bigger? You know, and it's that's just one of the challenges that I know comes along when people hit that, you know, that's that place. And so the mindset that kicks in then do I let fear hold me back and, and therefore I'm just going to stabilise for the rest of my, my career? Or do I push through that? Like yeah. quite a pivotal, quite a pivotal moment mindset wise, isn't it? Because in terms of navigating going through a VAT threshold, like plenty have done it, plenty do it. It's possible. It's not actually that much of a big deal. But the mindset. The mindset is- around it is what makes it a big deal. Yeah. And look, 
you summed it up perfectly earlier at the end of the day and this is something that I don't think is spoken about enough it's okay to be fearful in fact it'd probably be abnormal if you didn't have an element of fear as you're growing expanding reaching new levels the trick is is to find someone else who has already achieved the goal that or, or already overcome the challenge that you're currently facing to then almost take that fear away because at the end of the day, if they have gone through it, the likelihood is they've experienced the same challenges you're experiencing right now. They've had the same fears, the same worries, the same, what do I do if this happens? What do I do when that happens? Because they've gone through it and they've probably made their own mistakes, they can guide you through to avoid making some of those, those mistakes yourself and obviously guide you through the path of you know, achieving the success and, and you know the goals that you want. So yeah, it's, it's very simple, really. It's Knowing if you've got the fear, acknowledge it, do something about it in terms of hiring or, you know, having the right people around you, coach, mentors, et cetera, who have achieved the goal, who have overcome those hurdles and obstacles. And then you, you'll find that actually, here's the bit, you'll find that it's not as scary as you believe in here. That's, that's the golden bit. I want to say hallelujah (laughs) i know i'm sure i've shared this with my listeners before but i asked um somebody once um it was a lady that's very successful in business she'd franchised several businesses um multi-seven figure um business owner and i said to her you know the question that lots of us are always interested in what's what's what how how are you successful you know what's your what's your number one thing that's made you successful and she simply said I go into a room and I find the person who knows more than me and I hang out with them loads. That's it. And I was like, it's really that simple. And she's like, it really is that simple. Put yourself in a room with people that know more than you and just hang out with them loads. And that just sums up what you've just said, isn't it? Find someone that's been through it, felt the fear, gets you, understands you. And it's not just about going back registers, whatever the challenges are. Yeah, of course, of course. And um, yeah, and 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 piggyback off their experience, you know, if they're willing to help and share and be there for you. Um, like you said, a lot of it is actually not as scary as we think it's going to be. It's what we've, we've told ourselves, isn't it? Yeah, um, in terms of talking about ourselves, mm-hmm. holding ourselves back, I think the other thing that dance school principles are really rubbish at to be fair um and I say that with great kindness is <laughs> self-care mm. putting everyone and everything before themselves mm. do you have any tips in terms of people just taking care of themselves a little bit more when they run a, their own business oh I, I love this one so yes I've got tips and I could give practical tips. However, there's, a, there's an element that I want to share first. It's kind of a, a deeper way of thinking about it. That normally occurs or happens because naturally, as dancers, performers, we are givers. Meaning we want to give to everyone else. We want to help everyone else. We want everyone else to win, which is great. Here's the interesting part, though. In order for us to be givers, it means that we need the people that we're giving to to be receivers, So the real problem is, is that we are not allowing ourselves to receive. We're blocking that cycle, if you like, because it is simply a cycle. Give, receive, receive, give, give, receive, receive, give. It's the same. It's the same thing, just two different ends. Right. So what we have to master is if we are happy to give and want to give to everyone else, 
it means that unconsciously or subconsciously we're expecting them to receive so we must also do the same when others are given to us even if it means given to ourselves we must also develop that ability to receive and that's how you keep it flowing that's how you keep the cycle flowing so to speak so that's my deeper answer if you like Um, yeah go on go on what did you say well, so that's fab. I love that. You know, looking at it from that respect, because I'm a, I'm personally, I'm a quite a big believer that you know our life is a, a mirror reflection of what we create, what our thoughts are, and so I think there's an element of that which, again, we're starting to get a little bit deeper and more <laughs> quite philosophical here. But there's an element of you know why are some people such great givers? but they're not very good at receiving. Like, why do we give, but then we push back? We we don't want to receive when something nice comes back. And that brings me to the discussion, which I wasn't necessarily going to talk about today, but it's a big thing in our industry around pricing and undervaluing. Because that's the same thing, isn't it? Absolutely linked to that. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's a uh, how deep do you want to go? <laughs> so, oh, let's go deep. My listeners really want to go deep. <laughs> okay, cool. Right. So look, again, for those of you, so, so that I can keep this relevant to everyone listening without going so deep that I'm like, people like, are like, where is he going with this? It probably goes back to, you know, childhood and things of this nature where at some point there would have been something from a value point of view, self-value, self-worth, that didn't quite get met because what that just to be clear what that normally means and there could be some money beliefs in there as well which we can tackle that in a moment but what that normally means is we know we know all of us know deep down that what we offer what we do is valuable we know that that's fine and we're happy to give and teach and mentor we, we know that the problem is like you said earlier where they're not happy to receive that same value back in the form of money Now, from a mindset point of view, for those, and again, it's okay if you do, this isn't a finger pointing thing. For those who have a block around money and self-worth and should I be charging this? Am I charging too much? Am I charging enough? I want us to flip the script on this whole money thing and see it as an exchange in value. And here's what I mean by this. If you bought something online, for example, let's say it's from Amazon and let's say it's 20 pound, okay? If the thing that you have bought, you receive it, it's in one piece and it works perfectly fine, you'd be happy with it. Because in your mind, the value exchange has been complete. You pay £20 for it, you got the thing that you wanted, it works perfectly fine, it didn't arrive broken, happy days. Here's how you know that this is a value exchange. If you pay for that item that's £20 and it comes broken, immediately you're upset because you believe that the value that you've paid for this is not the value you got back. Does this make sense? But when it, when it came in one piece and it worked perfectly fine and it was exactly as you was expecting, all of a sudden the 20 pound, you're like, I'm fine with it. Why? Because the exchange is now complete. And it goes back to the whole give, receive, give, receive. You gave 20 pound, you received 20 pound worth of value. Happy days. The cycle's complete. The other way to look at it as well is if for example, Uh, I'll I'll give it to you the other way around. If you pay for something and what you receive back is, let's say you invested in something or you put money in something and it turned out to be an absolute scam and you didn't get anything back, 
again, you'd be upset or unhappy. Why? Because the value exchange has not been complete. That's what a scam is. If you put money into something and you didn't get anything back and that person or that organization ran ran away with your money, you'd be like, it's a scam. The reason why it hurts is not just because it's a scam, it's because the value exchange hasn't been met. You put £20 in, but you got nothing back. Does this make sense? So what we have to apply in terms of from a principle or concept is when we're charging whatever it is we're charging, as long as we are given the value that's worth them paying whatever the amount is, we should have no problem with it because all we're doing is completing that exchange value. That's it. We're offering value in the form of dance lessons, dance classes, dance teaching, performances, you name it. And when someone is paying you for it, you've got to be able to receive because that's you completing the cycle. If you leave it uh, empty or broken, it causes more problems than necessary, I promise you. So get comfortable with um, charging whatever your fees are. Get comfortable with increasing your fees. And again, if you need to justify it, increase the value. So therefore you can complete that cycle again. And that's all. Amazing. And I, what I'm thinking as you're saying that, I'm thinking about this exchange of value. And I'm thinking, I don't know if you agree, that if, for example, somebody is only charging £4 for a class, what the message that they're putting out there is, actually, I'm only worth £4 and my value is of a four pound class and the problem is there you know a four pound class is probably somebody that's not particularly qualified very new to business hasn't established a name um doesn't have much experience like when you if you're running a four pound class that's right at the bottom of what somebody would pay for a class and therefore you're saying the value my value the class you're going to get is right at the lower end exactly that's my point absolutely yeah and therefore, if you are a good teacher, you're a great teacher, and you've invested a lot of time, money, effort into your dance training, mm-hmm. you believe you teach a superb class, mm-hmm. then surely the pricing should reflect that for that value exchange to be. Exactly, exactly. For the value exchange. And that way we can do it comfortably without the guilt because like I said earlier, as long as we're not planning to scam anyone, as in they now pay £50 for the class, as long as you're planning to deliver £50 worth of value, the exchange is complete. That's it. I really think that's going to help a lot of people listening today, especially because they they do know they're great teachers. And it might sting a little bit (laughs) when when they hear this and think, my gosh, I thought I was doing the world a favor by charging, you know, the cheapest I can manage to run my classes. I thought everyone was loving that. Actually, what you're doing is sending out a message that says I'm not really that great. And that's that's going to sting. Yeah. And in a way, with much love, I hope it does sting because I hope it makes people think, Mm, okay, maybe I, I do need to to seriously consider how I price my my classes. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and and also just on that note, because I appreciate you know this is a snippet in the grand scheme of learning and discovering and open up your mindset. I'd highly recommend and advise for those who are really want to tap into this. Again, do some work around money mindset. Do some work around money beliefs. You know, you've got resources like Audible, you've got YouTube, you've got seminars, you've got yourself with the Dance Business Lab. Like, invest that time, energy and effort and money, if it's required, to open up that 
doorway, if you like, in your mind when it comes to money, because it will change everything. It's, it's, again, the example I give my clients is, and again, not everyone has to agree with this in terms of the brand that I'm about to mention, but it's the difference between a Topshop bag being £50, but a Louis Vuitton one being £700. When you think about it, the purpose of the bag is still the same. It's designed to carry your personal items. So then the question is, why does one charge 700 and one charge 50? At the end of the day, the Louis Vuitton bag or the Gucci bag or whatever it may be, they have created a higher perceived value, which ironically, when people pay that price, they feel amazing for it. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that interesting? That sometimes people feel more proud that they spent 700 pounds on the bag when they could have spent less, by the way, they could have, but they feel a, a higher sense of achievement, a higher sense of pride because they've seen a bag that's 700 pounds. They believe it's that value, believe it's that worth. They've paid for it. And now that worth is now translated into them. And they walk happily along the street with their 700 pound bag because <laughs> this is the point though, because in their mind, they're like, yep, this was worth every penny. Now, whether, whether you believe that or not, and that's a different conversation, but the point I'm making is that is the perceived value that these companies, these brands, these designers have created that people are happy to pay. Yes. And that's so fascinating because if we relate that then to five dance schools on the high street, all at different price points, which price points are parents going to want to pay? Are they going to want to buy the Primark bag or do they want to be perceived as their child going to the living room? The best, yeah, the, the absolute best, the top notch, the, the best in the UK, the best in the country, whatever it may be. Yeah, create. And again, for those who are worried, create that value. Again, one of the easiest, quickest ways to do that, like I said at the very beginning, is to increase your own value, increase your skill set, your mindset, your ability to deliver a world-class um, school so that when you're charging what you're charging, there isn't that feeling inside that you're not quite delivering on the value. That's all. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I must admit, you know, I, I do a lot of work on mindset around pricing it with the dance school owners that are clients. And one of the things I do always finish by saying is, of course, if you're going to put yourself out there as the Louis Vuitton and you're going to charge those prices, you better make sure you yeah. deliver Absolutely. Yeah, simple as that. As simple as that. Absolutely. And so it's it is about being that five-star store that does actually deliver something that is five-star rather than just charging those prices, but then you know, not that's it. Yeah, it's it's like again, it's like you know, if you went to the shard, you know, uh, by London Bridge, you know, with the outrageous prices that they have but the quality felt like going to McDonald's, again, it goes back to that value exchange thing. You'd be completely mortified. You'd be upset. You'd be frustrated, annoyed. What well, this wasn't worth it. It was a scam, whatever the case may be, because the amount you paid didn't match the value. That's where it creates the problem. Whereas when you pay the 200, 300, 400, 500 pound food bill going to the shard and you get that service from the moment you walk into the building, now you're like, wow, it was a hefty bill, but you know what? This was wonderful from start to finish. Again, because they've backed it up, they've created that experience, that service, that value from start to finish. Yeah, I love it. I really love that. I really think that's going to have helped a lot of people that struggle a little bit in this area. Thank you so much, Ramel. Um, it's um, It was really lovely. I actually 
was privileged enough to see Ramel on stage about 10 days ago. Um, and one of the best parts of the conference for me was by far Ramel's, you know what I'm going to say, <laughs> Ramel's entrance. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I was, I think we were all hoping, those of us that knew that Ramel came from a dance background, we were hoping that that might feature somewhere, but he did a fabulous en- entrance and then freestyled beautifully for a good couple of minutes and raise the roof um and so off the back of that no that's not why but you know it obviously really made me realize the connect you know properly realize the connection um and just how valuable you know it would be to spend some time with you today and talk to you you know because of that background and and obviously you know your fabulous business knowledge that you have now so yeah I really want to thank you so much for chatting to to me and to my listeners today um and one of the things I love to finish with just for a little bit of fun is some quick fire questions okay let's do it love the, it the skill here is being able to answer straight away and not spend two or three Too minutes long. coming up with an answer so are you ready I'm ready let's go <laughs> okay I'm gonna start off nice and easy Favorite ice cream flavor? Banoffee. Oh, nice. Favorite mountain view? Mount Everest. <laughs> Have you ever been to Mount Everest? No, I haven't, but you said it's quick fire. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to come up with real answers. You can just make them up. But to be fair, have I even been on the mountain before? I have no idea. <laughs> He's a real city person talking. Oh here. yeah, I'm a, I'm a. If if you couldn't hear it from the way I speak and my accent, I'm a real inner city kid, like <laughs> super inner city. Just about going outside of London now. So there we go. Okay, okay. I feel we need to take you to a mountain view. So definitely, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Um, if you could hang out with somebody that's no longer here from history for 15 minutes, who would that person be? Oh, great question. First person that came to my mind was Michael Jackson. Oh, amazing. Yes, for all the reasons, obvious reasons. Absolutely. And same question, but for someone that's still alive today. Oh, okay. Still alive today, if I could, probably someone like Jay-Z. Okay. Jay-Z or Rihanna, yeah. Fabulous. Um, what about if you could go back and change one thing about your life up until today, what would you change? Love that question. If there was one thing that I could change, yeah, it would be, as I mentioned earlier, going back when I was in the the peak or the prime of my dance performing career, dance teaching career, it would have been to have the right support, the right mentor, the right coach to take me to the next level. Absolutely. I don't believe in regrets, but would there be a part of you that had kind of wished that you were still doing that today or do you not live in that kind of mind space that's a great question and my best friend who is still a dancer to this day asking that question literally about two weeks ago and um, I'm pleased to say that I, I genuinely don't live in regret the thing is and I'll be open to, to I'll be open and honest to your listeners today my love for dancing performance the arts entertainment is still there that, that never goes and I never look down or look bad on my journey it was amazing it was wonderful I'm very humbled by it 
doing what I did the other day when you saw me speak, in all honesty, and I'll be honest with your listeners now, that was the first time I'd ever combined my performance career with my business career. And just being open and real from a heart space, I absolutely loved it. And I was like, this is me still being able to do my own thing in performance whilst delivering business as well. So I've got no regrets. It's almost like it's almost like full circle, if that makes sense. So it's really yeah. cool. And I think, do you know what? I wasn't going to say anything, but I think off the back of that, I can probably reveal to listeners that you have really kindly agreed to come and speak at the Dance Business Conference in 2024. So you get to do it again, Ramel. I'm genuinely looking forward to it. I can't wait. Especially as your audience are like dancers as well. They'll get it even more. I can't wait. Exactly. And I do believe you should get everybody up on their feet doing something with you, which you might actually get a response from everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. That'll be wonderful. Amazing. So yes, everybody, you can look forward to actually meeting Ramel in person if you join us next year. I'm really excited, really excited for that. Um, last question, just because it's on my list and I feel like I won't have finished my list if I don't ask you this. Um, favorite business book that people can go and check out? Love that. Okay. Favorite business book. I'm going to say Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Okay. What do you love about that book? That was the book for me that began changing my mindset. So again, what we've discussed today, it was changing my mindset of, again, the difference between being an employee slash self-employed versus being a business owner and what it means, what it takes, the mindset you need to have, the resilience you need to have, the determination you need to have. That was what made that shift within me first to then externalize it and do all the things that I've done today. So. Brilliant. So if nothing else, everybody go and read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that will, um, yeah, obviously it changed a lot for you, Ramel. So maybe it will help somebody else. Thank you so much, Ramel. Um, Is there anywhere people can come and find you? Do you have an Instagram page? Like, Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm mainly on Facebook and Instagram, to be fair. So it's literally just Ramel D-M-O-T or at Ramel D-M-O-T, all one word. And that's R-Y-M-E-L and then literally D-M-O-T. Uh, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and I look forward to connecting with you all. Brilliant. And I'm off to work out what L-A-W-S could stand for. <laughs> <laughs> when you do, when you find out, let me know. <laughs> I'll message you. <laughs> Ramel, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you so much. So I wanted to quickly tell you a little bit about Showtime Circus. This is run by my good friend, Jess, who has created an incredible circus bolt-on franchise for your dance school. Because aerial and circus performance skills has become a really desirable skill set for choreographers and casting directors. And so Showtime Circus offers the opportunity to buy a franchise package, which will give you all of your necessary equipment, training from experienced staff, syllabus plans, ongoing support, and business support to launch your new franchise. It will really energize your school with increased revenue streams, new student opportunities, And of course, bring all the fun of the circus to your school. So do go and visit showtimecircus.co.uk to find out what the new buzz is around circus skills.